0: Hello, I'm Charlie Clamos, you're listening to Fanfara tete tete where we have conversations, build connections, and establish links with all the people crossing Fanfara's path. For this episode, I was in conversation with René Putt, Selina Yavalo, and Fanfara's own Freya Keir, who have together initiated Vatnu Kutsia, the fourth edition of Chives Archives, a project initiated by Freya and Selina looking into archives and collections related to printed matter in its broadest sense. Reacting to Dutch artist Hans Kutsier's original 1970s project advertisements, each week for 45 weeks, Fatnu Kutsier invited a different designer to produce a work that would be featured in advertising space in Dutch newspaper Heparel's art section and online. With all 45 designs now published, the work will be presented as an exhibition and publication launch on the 4th and 5th of November 2017, between 12 o'clock and 6 o'clock on De Reuterkaard 127 in Amsterdam. To begin the conversation, we had Rene explaining Kutsier's original advertisements project.
1: In the 60s, 70s, and 80s, Hans Kutsier made 93 advertisements Mm. in 45 series, and he was using the newspaper as a platform for his ideas and his work. And I was I got familiar with his work when I was a student myself. So that's 30 years ago. It was the first time I saw this. impressing work by a teacher of mine at the art school and it kept it was always in my mind i always kept remembering the work of hans could so when i had 15 years ago the chance to to get one of his facsimiles from his advertisements i was very happy to have,
0: Do you have one of the actual
2: uh, yeah yeah actually while yeah. you're speaking I'll, I'll pick it up so you can yeah okay oh,
1: and that was that was 15 years ago, and I was always thinking maybe I should do something with it at a certain moment because it's such a characteristic and powerful work, and it's a bit a un- forget- forgotten artist. Yeah? If you look at Holland, and he's a bit like unknown by a, a huge public, but in his days he was quite, uh, I think, experimental. And, um, innovative in the way how he was uh, thinking about art and art education and uh, coming from a profession as an art director, as an, an advertisement studio, he, he was somehow, I think he chose very logical this uh, this step to make advertisements and see them as artworks to produce them.
2: Yeah, it's a, it's a very nice example of seeing the advertisement world merging with an artistic approach because he's uh, all the time throughout the series very aware about the language that he's using and also the medium that he's placing the work so it's a it's a very very big book that we have here laying on the table it's yellow I mean it's more an object almost a collector's item for sure yeah yeah and um, it goes from in the beginning you see that he's made series where the ads are like more modest and small and um, they like here they kind of almost Merge with the rest of the content?
1: Yeah, they look a bit like advertisements from a gallery presenting an uh, an artist. But if you look closer, then you can also see that within this advertisement there's always a kind of uh, play with language and typography. And uh, so it's never just an advertisement. There was always from the beginning on a different layer in the advertisement. It was quite... Uh, standing out which was uh, maybe different from what we normally would see as advertisement so he was playing with the whole system of advertisements and how you can yeah, make a message or how you can communicate with the public and i think he also considered the newspaper as public space mm-hmm. and therefore having a huge audience not mm-hmm. only the specific audience which goes to a museum but also reaching out to a public which is maybe not aware about let's say art or not interested in art but they were just facing the same work as uh as the ones who did. Yeah. So I think that was the strength of this uh, strategy.
3: I guess it kind of changes as you go because presumably he became a not like a known figure in the context of the newspaper so people were kind of by the end sort of anticipating his Yeah. It's quite nice like segue to the new work. That kind of returns to the original impetus I suppose because from my experience of seeing a couple of these in the parole, they're quite discreet, aren't they? They're not these full page spreads. No. So, uh, I mean, there's quite a lot of distinctions with what this project's been doing to that one. But, I mean, how does it differ? How does it explain? No, but it's
1: good to mention maybe that um, because I was introducing a bit how I came to this uh, work of Hans see. Uh, but then at a certain moment I was uh, invited by Freya and by Celina to maybe to present uh, yeah, a doc, an, an archive or a collection of works and then uh, we were looking at uh, this facsimile because I thought that could be a nice opportunity to show uh, a new audience the work and that's how we started to think about how can we translate this presentation which was normally maybe just one evening and showing the work into something bigger than that to make a new project out of it. And yeah. that, of course, that differs from the original intentions Hans Kutz had, I guess.
2: Yeah, yeah, and, and while being at that moment and um, that that invitation came, or was was based on this ongoing project which Selina and I had initiated called Chives Archives.
4: Do you want to give a short intro or...? Um, Well, Chives Archives started during our graduation year because we were interested in exhibiting collections and archives of printed matter in the broadest sense with, in the back of our minds, this idea of more and more having to deal with technology interpreting our personal profile and therefore putting a certain bandwidth to the information that you find as an individual on the internet or wherever and that by uh pulling it out of that sort of allowing information to unfold itself which is not so expected or not so much part of your own profile maybe and um, that's sort of how chives archives came about
2: yeah i think we had had three collections prior to the Kusir one, and what was always a, really a, of value was these unpredictable stories that grew out of diving into a collection or an archive, and how um, how pleasant it was to be faced by things you or information that you maybe otherwise would not have come by, and then without any doubt. What Nucutzi, which is the project that we've now been working on together with Renee for two years, actually still comes from that.
1: Talking about their initiative uh, and looking at the work of Hans Nucutzi, as a facsimile, is already a let's say we printed archive of the original uh, ads from the newspaper, which are maybe partly kept by people as a as an archive, but also the original ones. I have few in my studio which I got recently, uh, it's it's nice to see that they are are completely different from the the facsimile. Mm. But also thinking about if you have an archive like this facsimile, how can you maybe reconnect it to contemporary time? Not only by showing it or talking about it, but maybe also by using it as a starting point for setting up a new project. And so, so we came talking about... Maybe it would be nice to see, you know, what would we do with advertisements nowadays, or what's the difference between having an ad now, which is, let's say, uh, offered by us as a as a initiative towards 45 contemporary graphic designers, mm. or when you had to buy the space yourself, as Hans could see it as in, his, in his days, yeah. completely autonomous. So in that sense, if you look at the to- two different projects, they, they they differ in that sense from how it started already. But it's still a reflection on his work and also about the question how can you use the the, the medium advertisement nowadays if you get an offer to have a free space for that.
2: Yeah. yeah so in that sense it also but Nukutsu is in a sense also a provide, providing this framework for that investigation to take place and um, I think it's a it's a process which has been developing. Uh, well, the the framework was laid out, but still, the development has also been taking shape throughout the project. I think, yeah. or at least in the sense that we also could not. You, we could speculate on what mm-hmm. we would expect, what work we would expect um, to receive from the designers invited, yeah. um, but.
3: There's something like um, very fact of there being forty-five different people contributing, right? Like, it'd be interesting to know, like, were there like particular themes that kind of came out? You know, like people reacted in were there kind of predictable ways that?
2: Yeah, we did, we did, we did sit down a while ago and try to, based on our observations, um, define some different directions that we could see, uh, yeah. throughout the new. Um, contributions and there is indeed the the political ones or the aesthetic ones the more typographical ones the poetic ones which are playing more with the word as a medium in itself And um, but also a few which were um, activating an action outside of that medium itself so there was one inviting for a brunch, which actually made, took place, or one giving out her phone number, commenting on not tindering. Or, I mean, so there was also some of them where it just became a catalyzer for something else. And, uh, and last, there was surprisingly few, which actually used it as an advertisement board. <laughs>
3: Would, I mean, can you, I guess, deduce anything from the behavior of kind of these themes that, that you've drawn out? Do you think that says anything about like the way that design is being practiced now, like how designers see themselves?
2: I'm most certain that it do, that any reaction does reflect something of the present. Um, it's also
1: a kind of research in that sense, huh? to see what comes out and what does it represent. And of course, it, re, it, it represents... The way how maybe we think and work about, uh, uh, let's say, uh, communication, uh, media. uh, Mm -hmm. Your position as a designer, how much you would like to be involved in content or more into form. uh, If you want to react critical, uh, uh, or are you more maybe polite Mm -hmm. or introvert, or more radical, uh, trying to force uh, a certain. thinking. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think in that sense, I have the feeling that it represents a nice body of work, mm-hmm. but uh, maybe it's not that radical or that, that extreme as maybe in the days Hans Gutzi was doing his advertisements.
2: Which does have something to do as well, I think, which does reflect our time maybe, because yeah. uh, that that then leads us to... like of course we had a lot of discussions or sorry for that (laughs) we had a lot of conversations about the development of the newspaper and how that as a platform and as a medium of course has changed a lot since could used it and i also think it takes uh, likewise producing work which uh, tends to be provocative to readers it's also a different matter today. It's
3: mm. um, so what you were saying though, about like, um, I mean, in the context of like the not like choice archives, but like the but the idea of like bandwidth being kind of narrowed, right? That like, I mean,
4: yeah, I was I'm I'm just thinking about what <laughs> because of course we've been talking about so many different things also about whether graphic design could be like a sort of an autonomous means for communicating Even though it's predominantly maybe more of a medium Which is communicating something else. Yeah, and same with the with offering a free zone Which is uncensored like in a sense internet is like that anyway And that was something that didn't exist in the time of Hans Gautier, but Mm -hmm. does exist now but then maybe actually to choose for the newspaper again is maybe almost a place where you would least expect to have a free zone to place a work or a statement or a thought which is very personal, uh, very urgent. So that's why it made sense to publish them again in the same medium that back in the day Hans Goetheer used as well. And then of course we do we did make that translation to the website mm-hmm. also to offer these designers the possibility of thinking about this step from printed matter to the digital sphere and if in any way this would affect um, their their thoughts or choices, artistic choices for the advertisement.
3: thinking though that this idea of it being a free space um and not responding with the freedom it suggests also a kind of we've all become kind of media professionals right we know Mm -hmm. even you know we don't when we're our own pr department right so we're kind of oh I better not say that or you know this this might get me into trouble or you know in a way that probably back in like eighties, people were kind of a little bit more what's the worst that can happen, you know, like I guess that's I mean that that's that seems to be what's suggested from what you're saying that very few actually did do political statements, even if they were given the opportunity to, right? It's quite interesting.
4: But the worst that that could happen in, in, in Hans Kutsu's day is that the the readers of the newspaper actually became quite Frustrated or angry because their daily flow of just reading the news, which was a daily thing, uh, it, having the newspaper on the table and reading through it, and then being interrupted by these huge statements, like "ik," which translates to "I," just one big "I," or "I love you," or another kind of text, um, was very awkward for 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 them back back then, apparently, and. Now, 2016, 2017, yeah, we're not quite sure if re- readers were so frustrated by these little corners that ruffled the paper with a similar kind of statement.
1: But I think that's also, also, that's a bit of distinction, that in his days he bought space himself and he could do whatever he want, because if you, if you pay, it's yours. And he bought it also... Uh, at places which are not related to an art section. So it was almost on a front cover or on a page of economy uh, information. And in our case, it was presented in an in an art section. Yeah. But I think I w- also would like to come back a bit to your question about our awareness about how media works nowadays and that it differs from maybe at the time he was working. And I think that's also true. I think nowadays, because we publish a lot ourselves, we are all our, se- our own publishers at the moment, I think there's a complete different awareness about how to play with image and words in the media and that we use or misuse that position uh, as well. And that, that um, and that, yeah, I think that's, 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 that makes a huge difference. I think there's not so much surprise anymore, maybe. If you would now make a big advertisement with I or I, Maybe people would just think, hey, that's nice, and not having second thoughts at all. Maybe they would even see it as an advertisement for, a cryptical advertisement for a brand who is trying to sell, um, I don't know, sports shoes or whatever.
3: I was kind of thinking, okay, so there's like a distinction between the way that, the, the thing that Hans Ku was trying to do, and the way that he did it and the the intention is is still i mean is kind of universal, it could be kind of reenacted, but the thing that uh i guess the the mode in which it's practiced has to take into account new media, i guess and the new media climate Do you think that there's room for a, an artist or artists to do? what he did slightly more independently, you know, rather than what this particular project is doing or has done, but rather, you know, to... I don't know if I'm that interested in this question. Do you mean, maybe it reminds me
4: of, of a quote, though, uh, that we found uh, by Hans Kutz who says, well, it's not so much about the advertisements. I don't have a special feeling for advertisements per se. If I could have used a satellite... To spread my ideas, I would have used that. So, that maybe, I mean, the fact that it's advertisements, uh, an advertisement is aimed at a certain gain, and usually it's a commercial gain. And here it's not so much a commercial gain, but it's a gain for attention for a certain message or a a certain thought. And that goes today just as much, maybe, as in Hans Kutsir's day. Then, now looking at um, the series as a whole, because it's a series of forty-five advertisements that were made, and that together uh, it becomes a whole new work, almost like the facsimile of, of Hans Gude's mm-hmm. where his advertisements are suddenly, because they were where they were published. That was all, um, that took twelve years, and over the course of twelve years, he published it off and on, and then suddenly they all come together in this one. Book and you can almost read it from beginning to end, yeah. and the same with now these these 45 new advertisements. All together, they can com- become one big um, work with all these. Yeah, and every voice is part of that one big voice, and uh, that's what makes it interesting. Now, also the exhibition that we're having. This, this weekend uh, that then now for the first time actually you have the possibility of seeing them all, all together. Same as the publication that we made um, similar to, to, to Hans Gutierre's publication. There you can see them and you can read them almost like a, a narrative. And this, this does give us a specific, it's like a time capsule of 2016, 2017 and graphic designers having a specific
0: message or something to say. Fanfara Tet is a Fanfara production hosted by me, Charlie Clamos. The music you heard at the beginning, end and throughout the recording was derived from the songs Kinda Messy and The Anxious Battle for Sanity by Antonio Sanchez. Both of which were also featured as the backing track in a short video depicting the project, the link for which is available on the SoundCloud description. You can follow this series on Fanfare's Instagram and Facebook, or by subscribing to Fanfare Tete Tete on the podcast app.